Episode 66, Adobe Firefly Beta 2. Hey everybody, and welcome to the ChatGPT Report. I'm your host, Ryan, and let me tell you, my throat is feeling a whole lot better from last week. If uh, you heard me last week, I was on the verge of losing it, and I did lose it over the weekend, but we're back. Um, today's big topic will be Adobe's Firefly newest update to their text image creator. And I know you guys have been getting, uh, you know, filled with text image news because last week was a big focus on Dolly 3, but these updates are really worth talking about, and thus we're covering them. Anyway, what are we covering today? Adobe, obviously, some board game news, and then finally, some of Google's newest AI phones. So, let's get rolling. Before we get into anything, as always, let's run over our small tactic or medium tactic since this one's a little bit longer today and involves some courses you can take, which Microsoft and, Link, Link, and LinkedIn offer an extensive selection of free AI courses. Now, this is from them, so not my words, but each provided certificates to help you advance your expertise in AI. Whether you're a novice, which I obviously am, and will you, or will use or want to enhance your AI skills, these courses cover a wide range of topics. They include discussions on the ethics of generative AI, Microsoft Bing Chat for improved productivity, the evolution of online search powered by AI, introductory insights into generative AI's role in society, and fundamental AI concepts. Additionally, there's an introductory course on AI significance in the digital age and a comprehensive introduction to AI by Andrew N.G. Furthermore, you can dive into the world of machine learning with Python and Azure Notebooks, which is pretty neat. And these courses offer an exceptional opportunity to expand your knowledge and skills in AI, ensuring you stay at the forefront of AI innovation. Anyway, that was all from them. Pretty neat opportunity, and the courses are pretty good for people like me who don't have a true technical background, especially that Python and Azure one. Um, I took a couple of them. I was impressed, and again, I've mentioned this before, um, you know, continue to add feathers to your caps, guys. Continue to educate. Keep moving forward. This is a good feather to add, I think. Now, if you're more technical, these might not be for you, but again, they're helpful guides, I believe, and you don't, I mean, you can take them for how you want to, you can skip around and be like, hey, this course is terrible. Anyway, some of them take a couple hours and others take less than an hour, but for the most part, they're pretty decent. I, I, I'd give them a, a, you know, like a B review. They're, they're good. They help you out if you don't know what's going on, or if you just, like I said, want more help on the, um, te on the tech side of things. So that's today's small, medium tactic. Now for the main topic. <clears throat> oh no, not another text image generator. Yes, yes indeed that is the case. And before you pass judgment, I have to admit Adobe Firefly's beta is pretty good. We covered their generative fill in episode 47 and we're less than thrilled with it, how, how it was showcased. And to be honest, Adobe really fell into the abyss of technologies that just weren't that good. Their demos were great, but the uh, actual product was not. Now, however... Let's discuss. At the end of this segment, you'll get an idea of how it compares to Midjourney and Dolly and why and you know why would you use Adobe over the two kingpins? And yes, I'm referring to the kingpins as Midjourney and Dolly. Now I dug into and I made some of my own creations using the same prompts from previous creations. What I can say is it runs the same way the other two run. If you know how to run one, you can play with any of them, except for mid-journey. The backslash prompt took me forever to find because I'm an idiot apparently. Anyway, but overall, it's extremely user-friendly. And to be honest, of the three, it's the most user-friendly. We'll dive into that a little later. 
Now, here are four things about Firefly that are either different or things you should know about it. Number one, some stuff that stuck out was that is very similar to Midjourney in the aspect of not being able to create words. In last episode, I mentioned a prompt of using a McDonald's sign that says keep out. I know, very original. And Firefly didn't have any McDonald's logo and the words were all made up. So if you're using it for words, definitely go to Dolly. And we talked about that again. Dolly was way better than Midjourney, but Midjourney actually kept the theme of McDonald's. Uh, so it, it got part of the prompt, right, where um, Adobe didn't get any of it right. Number two, in terms of creation, it does a good job. And instead of running over each type, I'll put the comparison of 10 differences between uh, the three in the episode post on, post on LinkedIn and Twitter. Chase Lane did a great comparison on all three. And where Firefly came out on top were these realistic photos close-up shots, and wildlife photos. Now, he does mention that there are equivalent in some categories, but these were the three where Firefly really stood out. And I tested this theory and got some great results as well from Firefly. Surprisingly was the realistic photos. You would think Mid-Journey would conquer that category, but it felt a little less realistic, a little more fantasy. <coughs> Excuse me. So that was one of the reasons he gave the nod to Firefly, and I would agree with that take again where he said it felt more realistic and it did it it it, it was it was very satisfying to plug this in and not get you know garbage pictures they were really really good thirdly if you like a photo and you want to edit it you can take it to adobe express where you can do generative fill and add words and a ton of other editing features if you're wondering what adobe express is like it's basically a canva competitor and it looks very similar but apparently it's more powerful this to me is another big deal because with Adobe, you can take your creations right from their editing page and continue to mess around with it in design instead of pulling up another editor. It's all done in one app. This, to me, has gives Dolly 3 more competition than anything because Dolly 3 is combined with ChatGPT and beats out MidJourney in keeping you in the same ecosystem, right? And Adobe is doing the same thing, but in editing pictures, keeping you in the same spot. So I really liked that about it. And fourth and finally, and this to me is the biggest winner difference that Firefly does better than the others, is its ease of use. Sometimes you're fumbling around with trying to get different styles and how you want the image to look. And again, if you're like me with pretty mediocre editing skills, you always find yourself Googling different types of art styles. But with Firefly, you do everything, everything you need is right on the sidebar from changing aspect ratio to content type between photo or art. You can add the visual intensity and style strength as well. And you can pick from an array of effects like layered paper. Had no idea what that was until now. Synthwave, hyper-realistic, and different techniques like acrylic paint, color shift art, and, and so much more. And they even come up with examples for each style too, so you get a preview of it before you even use it. And then color and tone and lighting op uh, options, composition as well. All on the right bar and right there for you to see it and use it immediately. No more guessing which type of art style you want. And that to me is really what stands out. And what I think will really keep them in the game is the ease of use for non-editors like myself. They make it way simpler than Midjourney and more options than Dolly. This is what I really think will bring people into the game of AI is Adobe pulling this on you where it just is very user-friendly, unlike, you know, you have the Discord and, and other aspects to it. 
So that's our review for right now. And I have to say, get your hands dirty with it because, again, it is a pretty cool software and really easy to use. There's some controversy in the board game industry. And a fun fact about me is that I love board games, have been for a while. I love deep campaign-based games, mainly for the enjoyment of hanging with friends and just getting your hands on cool, uh, you know, plastic and metal and wood pieces. One of my favorite games is called Terraforming Mars. Now, Ryan, why are you lecturing us about board games? This is an AI podcast. Well, I'm glad you asked. The game I mentioned earlier is under some scrutiny, Terraforming Mars. And their most recent Kickstarter and their use of generative AI art in the project. Now, Terraforming Mars, if you don't know, is a highly popular board game, and the Kickstarter campaign for the new expansion has raised over $1.5 million, far exceeding its initial goal. However, the controversy emerged when publisher Stronghold Games declared its intention to use AI-generated content in its development of these expansions. As mandated by Kickstarter's new policy, they have to tell people about this. Now, the fans were not too happy, and a lot of people were split on the decision, with some people saying this will take artist jobs, where on the other hand, you had people saying the use of it was fair, and that this gives advantages to smaller game makers who don't have the money backing to afford an artist. In keeping with the same industry, just another aside, Essence Spiel, the world's biggest board game fair, has admitted using controversial AR-generated art on its tickets, posters, and apps for this year's events. And it wasn't too hard to spot. They had a couple six... Uh, six-fingered um, people on the poster. So I thought that was pretty funny. They're using, you know, probably mid-journey and they can't find the fingers. So it, it, that, that's a throwback, if you don't know, to where some of these text-to-image can't, can't generate a finger because there aren't many things describing what fingers look like. So they always add an extra finger. So just an aside there. Anyway, so it's not just the board game makers, but even the event holders. Now, my opinion on it is, one, I get people's frustration, but like the calculator, I don't really think it's going away. I don't think text image is going away anytime soon, and I really do think it's going to be, you know, the next big thing. And two, and two, will artists really get displaced as much as we think they are? That, that's more of a question of the audience more than anything. And on another note, I use Dali and Midjourney, you know, for my own episode artwork. But if I didn't have it, I wouldn't go out and hire an artist. I probably would just keep using the same logo. So for the foreseeable future, so in my case, I would never put anyone out of business. Again, this is all new territory. What are y'all's thoughts? Again, mine are it's all fair game, but I do understand the confusion and concern for what's happening in the future. What do you guys think? On October 4th, Google unveiled its Pixel 8 smartphones and a new smartwatch, emphasizing the deeper integration of its AI technology into its consumer devices. While Pixel smartphones have fewer sales compared to Apple's iPhones, they sure serve as a showcase for the capability of Android products. Now, The new Pixel 8 lineup featuring the custom Tensor G3 processor, yeah, that means a lot to me. Enhances AI and machine learning capabilities, empowering users to process data both on the device and in the cloud. And if you already know, this is all uh, from them. I uh, This is not my writing. These AI features improve photography, web page summarization, and a spam block calling. The Pixel 8 Pro introduces a thermometer app, interesting, pending uh, FDA approval, with prices starting at $699 for the Pixel 8 and $990 for the Pixel 8 Pro. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Now, this strategy aims to strengthen Google's presence in the mobile AI market, particularly in U.S. Google's Pixel devices, who currently hold the 12th position. Wow, that's actually really bad. 12th position globally in terms of shipments. And these updates may attract holiday season shoppers, with the United States being the largest market. Right Now, Google also plans to incorporate generative AI capabilities into its virtual assistant introduced into the Google Watch 2, featuring advanced health tracking powered by AI starting at 349. Now, Ronnie Raymond mentions over eight features, because again, a lot of that's just, hey, it can do this, it can do this. Um, and he mentions eight features that will set it apart from other phones with this, with this updated AI. And the big ones are, I'm just going to name a few with a couple descriptions here. The big ones are Call Assistant, which is way cooler than it sounds. Um, it can silently answer calls from unknown numbers and then just talk to them or take a message. Pretty neat. And blur photos, that's wild. Um, Taking group photos, it can change the faces so that you can be smiling instead of frowning from another photo. Look at the video for that one. I'll I'll link that on LinkedIn and Twitter. A magic editor, which makes reshaping images from a photo easier. Zoom enhance using AI to fill in between the pixels as you zoom. Very interesting. And finally, B-Board got upgraded, and this allows it to suggest different ways or phrases, sentences while typing. All cool, all really cool stuff. But again, we're looking at demos currently. Don't get too excited. Like we say all the time, you need to get your hands dirty and actually see if it works to what is actually advertised. So take a look at those, and if you happen to go get one, uh, take some testing. Let me know if everything works out just the way it's described. And finally, what do you use to grow a business or use for work? Serge, who I'll post in the show notes, posted a great opinion piece on what he uses between Bing AI, Bard, Claude, and ChatGPT. He mentions perplexity, but I haven't had enough time to really give an opinion on it, so we'll focus on the other four. And let's dive into each one and discuss if this jives with what I'm seeing. And, I, and again, I'll have the link um, to this post on Twitter and LinkedIn. Now, he uses Bing AI for market competitor analysis, mega prompts, and content writing. And I would tend to agree with him for market analysis. I've used Bing more than the others for that type of information, so that makes sense. Claude, he uses for creative tasks, idea generation, document analysis, and summaries of group calls, customer calls. I would really agree with his his, uh, customer calls uh, because I've tried on all three, and Claude makes it sound like a real person instead of just an info overload. So when I have a call from a customer from from sales, I'll do all my typing in there and then say, hey, summarize this. And it, it just makes it sound a little bit better. So I, I would agree with him on that. Claude is very good for typing in information from someone else and then um, asking to summarize it for you. ChatGPT, his big ones are code analysis, email subject preparation, and email subject uh, preparation as well. Now, I've been in ChatGPT the longest, and I would agree with all three of those. I hear a lot of coders using ChatGPT over any of the other ones, and for emails, it absolutely gives you, I think, some of the best options. Um, unlike Bard, which we'll talk about in a second, which gives you three options, it, it, I feel like ChatGPT's first option really, really does give you uh, the best bang for the buck. Um, per se. So agree with him there. Uh, finally, Bard. One thing he notes is it's very useful if you're in the Google workspace, which I tend to agree with as well, can find documents and emails, true, and makes good summaries. Um, and like I said, ChatGPT, I think, gives you the best 
one go at it, but I would say Bard does the best job at giving you options. It'll give you three, and you can kind of choose what you like uh, based off those, and that is really fun for, I think, more content creation than anything, but I would agree with him there. Overall, good thoughts on comparison, but like I always say, you need to get your hands dirty to really see the differences in all of them. Did he nail it, and what did he miss? Let me know. Guys, thank you for giving me a listen. Rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a new episode every other week, or basically now every week. And we've been out for the past month doing that. Check out our website, thechatgptreport.com, where you can support me financially. Follow us on link or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at ChatGPTReport. All one word. Please send me an email at thechatgptreport at gmail.com. I hope you have a great rest of your day, have a great weekend, and we'll more than likely see you next Thursday. Take care.